podcast where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, and we're back for our season on the stress of major life events and transitions and how to manage all of those. I wanted to talk about something near and dear to my heart this year, uh, moving. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? There's different scales of stress in terms of life events. And on some of this, and on some of those scales, moving does not come up in the top 10. And yet in surveys that have been asked of, you know, a thousand Americans who have moved within the last three years, they talk about 45% of respondents in those surveys had said that moving was by far the most stressful life event. And some of them said it was more stressful than breaking up with a partner or a divorce. So, you know, it truly is different for everybody, but I think it's fair to say that depending on the the type of move you're doing, all the change that can go along with that, moving is freaking stressful. Um, I, I definitely felt that in this past year where we made a cross-provincial move as well as, um, you know, we're in temporary accommodation for about four months before we found our home. Because it's not just about moving your boxes, right? It's not just about packing things up and moving, but it's also about the process of finding a new place to stay, dealing with change, transitions, um, you know, having to set up, in some cases, new community, new friends, new, you know, needing to know where your new dentist is or where you're going to get your haircut. Like it comes with so many decisions and decision fatigue is real and stressful and there's, there's a lot going on there. So I wanted to since I don't think I've got moving hacked, <laughs> definitely from a stress management standpoint, I wanted to bring you a guest who I know in my personal life, and she has moved dozens of times. So I'm really honored to bring my good friend Amy Wood to the podcast today. Amy and I used to work together uh, at a former workplace, and you know, she grew up in New Brunswick, has moved, you know, multiple places across the country, has moved to the U.S., has done some of this with kids, has done some of this with her partner, like so many moves. So I couldn't actually think of a better person to talk about this subject than Amy. I also think she handles all of this in a really, um, a, a really healthy way. Right. And, and it part of it might just be the number of moves that she's made and it's just become easier. But I think you'll hear in our conversation as well. It's the order in which she chooses to process things. Um, I think that is a really important way that she handles her stress in that there is a system in, in making a decision and, and letting certain things go at different times. So you'll understand a bit more what I mean when you actually listen to the interview with Amy. It's a really good one. She always makes me laugh. Side note, Amy is also my uh, PR manager. So if you are interested in a corporate workshop with me to talk about stress management, maybe you want to uh, send it to your employer or that type of thing, you can always contact Amy at stresslessladies.com and she will help uh, coordinate on that front. I know Stress Awareness Week is coming up in November, the 1st to the 5th. So if you're interested in having me to talk at your workplace, get in touch with Amy. We would love to coordinate that. Last thing I will just give a shout out on before we head into the episode is that the Stress Less Summer Bundle, um, I had 
you know, quite a few folks reach out that the beginning of September was just a bit too busy for them to actually take advantage. So we have extended the deadline to sign up for that to the 17th. So if you sign up for the Stressless Summer Bundle, which I guess we'll now call the Stressless September Bundle, by the 17th of September, you're getting three amazing programs bundled together to save you 55% off. So this is stressless about your body, stressless at work, how many of us are super stressed at work right now, as well as uh, don't just survive, thrive, building resilience during COVID-19. What I love about these programs is not just, quite frankly, the, co the content quality is really, really good. I hear that from my clients, but also that it is entirely self-led and you can do it at your own pace. I think for a lot of us, adding something else onto our schedule right now is a bit of a challenge. And so being able to, um, you know, pick up these pieces of this program when you've got the time and the capacity, I think is a game changer. So I highly encourage you if you're if you're feeling that stress and that overwhelm and you need some tools to get you to the other side of it, there is so much goodness in this bundle and you can save, you know, 55%. So I wanted to make sure that that, uh, that we gave that final shout out before the 17th so that you have the opportunity to take advantage. Okay, so without further ado, um, if you are about to move or if you think you're going to be doing another move anytime soon, this is the episode for you, but it's also an episode on change management and transition. So I think you will, even if you've just moved into a brand new home like I have, I think you will get a lot out of this conversation with Amy. So let's head into the interview. Well, thank you very much, Amy, for joining me on the podcast. I'm so pumped you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped. So I probably said it in the intro, but just in case I didn't, you and I know each other. We used to work together for like five mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Was it only five years? I feel like it. Maybe that like time just made a lot going on <laughs> it was before we had kids so I feel like time went at like a normal pace and then yeah, post kids right. it's like mm -hmm. yeah. yeah agreed okay so I particularly wanted to have you on this episode because you have moved a lot <laughs> and you've gone through like major moves like uh, moving to BC for me felt like the biggest thing I had ever done Mm -hmm. And then I compared it to like the amount of moves you've made. And I'm like, Jesus, like she's got this <laughs> under her belt. Amy is the person to talk to about stress of moving. So, okay. Mm -hmm. As an adult set the stage, yep. how many, how many times have you moved since you were like 18? You know, I had to think about this. I had to literally write down, like went to this house, went to what year was it? What? And so I like did, you know, move by numbers with Amy and I'm going to say 24, I think, but four of those I'm counting as like mini moves and a mini move to me was like in, I knew the next house I was going to, but something wasn't ready or I had to leave early. So I had like anything under a two month window in a different place. So four of those would be mini moves. <laughs> Okay, so 20 moves and four mini moves. moves. Four mini moves, yeah. How many like and cities, countries, like what is that? So only two countries. So only in Canada and the US. Two, two, four provinces, 2.5 if you count a mini move in there to BC for eight weeks. 
um, in between a couple houses of us, of ours, and se seven towns. Yeah, so seven towns, 3.5 provinces, and two countries. Okay. Um, how does that feel when you say that? <laughs> um, you know, like, kind of exciting and kind of like, oh, man, like, I probably would have said 10, you know, like, but, you know, when I think about it, and I was kind of doing the math, I've never lived in a home, I almost got to three years in one home, almost. And so when I think about it that way, I'm like, well, yeah, it's been, all, I mean, I wasn't 18 yesterday. So <laughs> there had to be a couple in there. So it's kind of exciting, kind of like, I feel like I, if I had the patience, I could build a really good house, you know, like, you know, all, about the, yeah. all the things of all the places I've lived and like taking little bits from them. But yeah, it's, it's kind of neat. It's kind of, um, you know, I wonder, maybe this is my forever home, the one I'm in. Like, what happens if like after this age, I'm done? Like 20 moves and then none. <laughs> do, do you think that's realistic though? Like the, the idea of a forever home, is that something you want or is that something that feels possible? I don't know. Like uh, I'm very, I, and I've been like this since I was a kid, it's a bad and sometimes a good thing. I'm not a great future planner. Like that question, you know, when you're at work and it's like, where do you want to be in five years? And I'm like, that's not fair. Think about where you were five years ago. You would never guess where you are right now. You know what I mean? Like Victoria, where you are, where you're working, you would never have put yourself there five years ago. So I don't like really, like I, I don't like wasting my time almost or my energy planning that because I'm like, couldn't have guessed that five years ago. Let's keep going. But we did purchase this house with the intent of the, our children growing up here, us being, you know, unless something changes. So, you know, kind of forever home, 20 year home, maybe if we get to stay, I don't know. It's we'll interesting see. that you say though, that you're not a future planner, because that then makes sense to me that it's less stressful because I feel like if you are a planner, you're very much this is what it's going to be. You have that vision and a, and a feeling of certainty maybe because you've planned. So because you maybe don't plan, it's less, it, I'm conjecturing here, no, maybe no, less of yeah, a loss no, if you yeah. move. Maybe. And maybe that's why I've always kind of done it in my life it, uh, uh, with everything is like you, things change so much, you know, and you can't guarantee anything. So instead of setting myself up to be upset with myself or disappointed or whatnot, I just kind of live within the next, I don't know, like year, two years, like, and I do like my husband and I always like, you know, kind of go, well, we think we're going to do this, but there's always room to breathe and move. And, and because I've moved so much now, I had a really stable childhood. We did not move. Like, I think we moved once maybe. So I know it's possible. I remember growing up in that house. I remember whatever, but now I, I don't know. I'm not really connected to my house. And I never really have been, even as a child, like I remember I go away to camp and mom would be like, are you excited to sleep in your own bed again? And I'm like, me, I don't care. Like, yeah, that's fine. I was excited to see my family, but like when people are like my own bed, that doesn't, that's never really called to me. Yeah. Except when I came home from Vegas and I was like, I'm never going back there again. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So that said, moving can be, is like mm -hmm. one of the top stressors people talk mm -hmm. about, right? Cause it mm -hmm. can just be such a period of intensity, particularly when you have kids. 
I really want to set the story for people of like your last two moves, like to the States and back. Can you tell us a little about what had you leave Calgary, what you had to do to get there and, and the process to come back? Sure. So um, I'm kind of going to go back to February 2019. Um, my husband at the time was working overseas. So he was 30 days on, 30 days off. I had a two-year-old and I was pregnant with um, my second do any minute. And my youngest came late February. So we had, you know, brand new baby and a two-year-old living the life. And then with my husband rotating and then with his work, um, as you know, Victoria, like every couple of years, they kind of like, okay, where are you going next? So they looked around, we thought there were, you know, a couple of possibilities. We had no idea. And they came to him and approached him about moving down to Houston um, on local terms, meaning like we all go, he doesn't rotate anymore. The whole family moves. Um, so I just had a baby. We learned that in June of 2019. So uh, my youngest would have been four months old. And they were like, we want you down ASAP, basically. But my husband was still rotating. So I, you know, um, we got everything together. We organized this move with him rotating, mostly me doing it on my own with a baby and brand new baby and, and a two-year-old. And then um, just before we moved down to the States, we got some word that I had to have like pretty invasive surgery. And so it was like, you know, four or five days stint in the hospital and then a couple of weeks, well, probably a month in bed kind of thing. And so that would have been like September. So we pushed back our move date by a month, just, you know, good old month to give me more time to recover. And so then we got down to Houston in November, early November. Um, and then we got put into accommodations, um, which was interesting because the um, standard that they give you for accommodations while you're waiting to find a house with this company is um, six weeks and a family of four, you get a two bedroom apartment. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> with a new baby that may or may not be sleeping like yeah brand new baby right so um and I just had surgery and my baby my youngest was quite big when he was born he came out like a toddler um and I wasn't allowed to carry more than 10 pounds and so you're trying to move you have a baby you have to pick up and a toddler and your husband's at work and you're in this like cramped little apartment it was and in Houston if anyone's ever been there their sidewalk game isn't strong so it's not even like you can like push a stroller down the sidewalk to get out so those six weeks were very intense and I learned a lot about um, intermittent accommodations and what to pack and I still to this day have this like beautiful list of how to live kind of the in-between before your stuff comes especially with kids um, so then we got into our, we found a place, got into our home in uh, December, just before Christmas. So that was real fun with two kids. And then, um, so fast forward, I guess, come March. Um, and I had to have another surgery down in the States. And we were just kind of settling in, right? Like been there a couple months, starting to get to know the neighborhood, starting like, you know, you have your hairdresser. You know, you know where you're getting your coffee. You can drive sometimes with a GPS. That's a good feeling for me. Like when I can get in the car and just go somewhere. And then I had to have a surgery. So they got me in mid-March and I walked in and the lady looked at me and she had a highlighter and she crossed my name off the list. And she said, you are our last surgery before we shut down for the pandemic. 
So it was March 17th. And I, in this massive Houston hospital, like massive. And I was like, oh, this is really serious. You know, cause even, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember, but like, I feel like in our family, everyone was like, nah, it's gonna be a bit, but it's not, you know, like you're kind of like, there's no way they can close everything down. And so they kind of rushed my surgery and then rushed me out the door. So then we were in full lockdown. Um, and then a few short months later, I'm gonna say June, we got another call from uh, my husband's office saying, so we've got this new opportunity for you back in Calgary. <laughs> and it was funny cause I wasn't, I was still recovering and I had a bad day and I, and I went to bed and my husband took the kids for the evening and let me sleep. And then the next morning he like brought me in a coffee and I was like, hmm, what's, this is nice. <laughs> what's up? And he was like, so we got a call and we're, you know, they offered for us to go back to Calgary. And there's a lot of hair around either staying in the, his current job or coming back. And, you know, and we, we discussed a lot. We made, you know, wrote down pros and cons and we decided to come back and for him to take this job. So we were gone for about seven months. So major, major move, trying to adjust and then moving back in a pandemic, which was, as you know, very enjoyable. It just adds a whole new world to that. Just going through the airport with a toddler and a baby during it, like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't, like, this was early days pandemic too, right? So no one really knew how it goes. We couldn't get a direct flight from Houston. They were all, they were all shut down. So we also chose instead of going to through three airports and having that exposure to drive four hours to catch a flight home um, to make that move. So you're moving your whole life. And then, you know, you with a baby, with a baby and a toddler, and then you're driving on top of that, you're adding another four hours. And then when you get home, you can't, you know, back into, cause they, the company's nice enough to give you interim accommodations. They, their offer was downtown Calgary in a two bedroom apartment, again, with my husband working inside the home now. So where would he work? Where would the kids be? And because on top of it, we had two weeks quarantine. So we would have to be inside with no balcony, no any, no air. And my husband working, I was like, this is not, <laughs> I remember talking to the company being like, are, do you provide divorce lawyers like, <laughs> with this? <laughs> um, so we negotiated a little bit and um, found our own accommodations. And we're lucky enough that we had some friends who um, had a rental house fully furnished in our old neighborhood. Um, so that was coming up. So we asked if we could stay there like month to month while we looked, which was amazing. Like it had a yard, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, we landed back here. That would be July last year. So we're almost coming up on a year back here, but um, we just got into this house in March, the, our current house that we bought. So we were in interim accommodations for seven months. Um, and when we left Houston, it was 106. It was the hot, like hot, like I've never experienced, even after this heat wave, like it was humid hot. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I will never be cold again. I don't need sweaters for Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never be cold. Um, and we also, I remember saying to my husband, I was packing, I was like, do I bring winter clothes? And he was like, I guarantee we will not be in this rental when winter hits. And we spent 
all winter. Oh my <laughs> gosh. So you had all your stuff in storage and you have to play the game of Tetris to like what mm-hmm. needs to come out? What box was it in? What do we like? We did that mm-hmm. for a little while when we were here in BC and it's like nothing is where you think it is in a storage unit. And you had one where you have to like book a time, right? Like the company brings it out. So yeah, it was like in, yeah, they kind of put it in deep storage. And if you wanted it, you had to like organize it and, and list the box numbers you wanted them to pull. It was really expensive to do. So we didn't do it. We just spent seven months with the stuff we had. And that was it. I was smart enough to bring pretty much everything my kids own, like Mm -hmm. on the plane. And Dave and I kind of just sacrifice whatever and kind of fill and like, people were so kind to us and like, lent us stuff and whatnot. And the, and the place, our rental was fully furnished. So it, it worked, but I'll tell you what, I have always claimed that I, I'm not into things. When I opened our boxes after seven months, I was like, <gasps> sharp knives, my bowls, my, you know, the st- stupidest things that you just go to do something. And you're like, I just really want that knife. You know? So it wasn't the, are you excited to sleep in your bed again? It's the like sharp knife. Yeah. Or like my mixing bowls, you know, or like yeah. the koozie I like, yay. Yeah. A winter jacket. <laughs> it's, but it is so stressful. Like, I know you joke about like the divorce layer or whatever, but like people get super stressed with these because it's a lot. And then the other thing I remember before you moved down to Houston was like, mm. you had just bought the dream trailer. You go on oh. the like the road trip of your dreams. You guys had a truck. So you're not just selling a house and like some no. of your stuff in it, but like the truck, the trailer, the like mm. all the things that you had to like in a very short space of time sell and then get in Houston and then sell. Like, were you, did you buy a truck in Houston? Were you? Yeah. And, and Houston, you have to drive everywhere. So we've always been a one car family. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's worked for us, but you get to Houston and you can't walk anywhere. Um, so we had to get two. So we buy two cars and then in seven months you sell them again. Like it was, and because to transport them up, it's difficult and it's expensive. And, and then there's not four wheel drive, you know, like I'm not going to bring a vehicle up here that doesn't have four wheel drive. Right. But I don't need it down there. So we sold all those and we get back and we didn't have a car again. Like, I'm like, we've had some great friends, one of our, and one of the good things is like, there's some benefits of the pandemic and like a couple of our friends um, who are two car families, like they're both working from home and they're like, we literally go to our garage to start our car to make sure it still starts. (laughs) And so here's a car, you know, like our friends lent us a car for a month. Why we, because you know, why we got things organized and found what we wanted and figured that out. And it's a pandemic where every car was bought. Like oh. trying to buy a car in the middle of the panty was like probably one of the hardest things. And we end up buying brand new because the, the prices were insane. You know, they almost got so close to getting brand new that we were just yeah. like, let's just go brand new. But then that's another, um, there was delays because the pandemic and that pushed us like we didn't have a vehicle, I think for four months, like that we owned. Yeah. Okay. So what does Amy do for herself to like not go wild Mm. internally you know that I went I there was a day I'm not a crier um that's not like how I release 
my tension. I know there's a lot of people are, a lot of my friends are like that and I get it. I cry when I'm mad at someone and I don't want to yell, like I will start to cry, <laughs> but not when I'm stressed. But there was one day and it was day nine when we were in quarantine and I was like sitting on the stairs and I, and my husband was working too. So it was all day, every day with my kids in, in this place. And then Dave downstairs and he came up and I was just sobbing on the stairs and he was like, whoa, we need, we need to do something. <laughs> he was like, I don't know if I've ever experienced this before. <laughs> so that's really not my release. Um, those months were hard and I don't know if I could ever say I did anything for myself. Like I, I, it was just impossible. Like we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't see anybody. We didn't have community. We didn't have anything. Um, but now during all those times, like if it was regular moves, I move my body. Um, I really like moving, walking, whatever I need to do, whatever I'm physically capable of at, in that moment. In the moments of like big, big, big stress, moving my body and talking with my community, be it my husband and I are very close, have a good relationship. I've got a number of really good friends that are like my hype girls that if I'm like, you know, texting, being like, this happened and this happened, you know, they're mad with you. Like those people, you know, like they just, and then they let you do your thing. And then they're kind of like, okay, now what do we do? Oh, like, you know? <laughs> But so I have that, that's kind of like what I would consider I would do for myself. But again, moving in a pandemic or to a brand new city, it happened when I went to Houston too, is um, I didn't have that, right? Like you don't have, except for texting your friends that you already have, but like come home and you're not really home because you can't see anybody and, or get that energy from those friends. And when you move to a new city, you can't get that energy from those new people. And I found it very hard as being a trailing spouse at the time, like moving for my husband's work. He had external kind of high fives all the time and pats on the back, like work. And he got to meet new people and even just a work colleague, right? Like, as you and I know, like we became friends, right? That's a, that's a genuine relationship, whether we hang out outside of work or not, that's still something that can keep you kind of grounded. And when you're, when you're the trailing spouse, you kind of floating and you don't have that. So that, that was hard. That was, yeah. So, huh. Yeah. I, I'm not very good at, maybe I need you, Victoria. This is what I no. need. <laughs> no, but it's, I, from the outside looking in, and I might be totally wrong about this. You've always seemed someone who's very, okay, here's a problem. Let's find a solution for it. Mm. And so, you know, when you're talking about, I have the list now for like, oh, I, I feel like you're someone that likes to tackle a problem and like, and just not wallow in it. Like you go into problem solving mode, which is a coping mechanism, a coping strategy, right? For sure. I don't like, I don't like to spend my time in states of regret or wallow or sadness. I do appreciate those moments. Like, you know, I, I don't just like push them deep, deep, deep down inside, but I don't like to stay there. I just, I don't see, I don't find value for me um, in it. Now there's sometimes I definitely feel sorry for myself. Like, well, like Dave, I'm just going to go to bed. You take care of the kids, you know? Um, and then I'm like, okay, we're, we're through with that only because I honestly feel like well, I've got a great life. Like yeah, things are stressful. Things are hard, but like, it's not, 
it, it's, it's how I choose it. You know, I, I find like I can really kind of put mind over matter sometimes. And you're right. I do like a list. I like, I like tasks and I like really complicated problems. And so that is a stress relief for me to tick those off, to accomplish a really stressful thing. Like, okay, you're moving here. I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. like that's, that's fun for me. So that might send some people into a tailspin, but I kind of, I kind of get a high off it for sure. That's interesting because like there is such a thing as good stress, right? And if, it, you know, when we go through university or we're studying for something or we're taking on a new challenge and getting to the other side, like that can be good stress because we're building our resilience in the process. So like if mm-hmm. it's something you enjoy doing, then like if you enjoy a problem and overcoming it, then that it doesn't necessarily affect people in the same way it would others, right? Totally. Yeah, I could totally see it. Like I could, I get, I like problem solving and I like that kind of thing. And I still get stressed out when I move and I've done it a lot and I still get stressed out. I can't imagine if that is not something that someone likes, like how hard that this process is. I'm also like I I stated, like not really super attached to the brick and mortar of the places I live. I definitely get sad. Like I like to call it my Fresh Prince moment when you stand in an empty house and you have your little goodbye. (laughs) I don't know if you remember, but, (laughs) you know, and I do get upset and emotional and like, we had a beautiful home before we left Calgary. I absolutely adored it. Um, I adored our neighborhood, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, my, to me, my family is my home and we've always had great places to stay. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been a few that I'm like later, but for the most part, like we always land on our feet. And so that kind of keeps me motivated too, right? Like, it's funny because I remember before I left Calgary, we were all hanging out in my backyard and I was like, I hate the person who's bought my house. They're like, I was like, they're just a horrible person. And you're like, oh man, it's about the like, you just get the money you need to do and you go and you, you move on to the next opportunity kind of thing or the next yeah, potential, right? Like the next change and phase of your life. That's really hard for some people though. Like is, is your husband like that or are you pretty similar minded in that way? Oh, Victoria, you know, Dave, him and I are night and day, (laughs) but you know, he's an engineer. So maybe he is just like, it's just a house. It's I don't know. Uh, yeah. You know, he's a hard nut to crack when it comes to emotions. Um, but he actually transitions um, I would say not as well as me, I would say. And he's moved so many times, big, massive moves in his life. Um, he's traveled a ton, his fan, like he's been moving since he was a kid with his family, um, but he hates it. And like, absolutely hates it where I'm like, well, we can handle that. You know, when we decided to come back to Calgary, I was like, we can handle a move. Like a move will happen no matter what, we can handle this. And he's like, <gasps> you know, um, but he, yeah, we, we're very different in that sense. But the one thing we do well together is we get kind of the emotional part of that done and thought out before we make the decision to move. So then we kind of go, so, you know, before we move to Houston, we're like, do we sell the house? Do we do this? Do we do that? Do we, do we sell the cars? Do we sell the truck? You know, all those things. And we had many nights um 
where we talk about all this. And that's where kind of like, I would let the emotions go. Like, like you mentioned my trailer, we got in a month before to go on this epic cross country, three month trip with our family and then heard we were moving and couldn't do the trip. And so I was that, like, I was more upset about the trailer than I was anything else. And I just got over it. And then, or I let my emotions happen before we decided to sell the trailer. Once we decided to sell it and not keep it in storage or whatnot, I was like, okay, we go into transaction mode. How much are we willing to take? Like, who, you know, it went to a very nice family. So that really made me feel good. But if it didn't, I would just have to be like, this was a dollar amount. This is out of my life now. I've, I've processed those emotions once we made the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, like I said, had my Fresh Prince moment with the trailer um, before we even really put it up for sale. Cause I needed like, and my husband was like, well, let's take out the trailer a couple of times. And I was like, I can't like, that's out of my life now. It's in transition process. Like I can't, I can't go for it. And then with it's hard selling something you love like I know you loved your home as did I and it would be hard if you were like "Mm, I don't know if I want you in my house but at the same time like I just said it wasn't my house anymore like once I put that for sale sign in the ground it was not my house anymore it couldn't be or I would be too attached to it and I would make emotional decisions where when it starts to come down to money okay so that's interesting like you're very very much process it before you make the decision. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I was still in the not decision-making process, but I hadn't closed the door on it. Right. Mm -hmm. It was, and I think also it depends on, are you being pushed or pulled to something, right? Are you really excited about the opportunity that you're going to? Mm -hmm. And we were 50, 50, we were like the, like, there is an excitement, but there's also so much uncertainty and what ifs and like, Mm -hmm and part of it felt like the pandemic forced this upon us kind of thing so yeah so definitely but I like that I think my grandfather used to say something like uh make your decisions fearlessly and follow them through kind of thing something Mm -hmm. like that I remember Mm -hmm. um hearing that he had said and it is that take the time process it follow through on it Mm -hmm. kind of thing and my husband is not a big chatter and I am, and he, God love him. Like we, we often make fun of it. We used to sit in this front window when we were making the decision about what to buy, what house to buy in Calgary or if to buy if to rent. Cause again, pandemic pricing was insane. Um, we sit in these two front windows and every night go, so where do you want to live? What car do you want to drive? You know, for months we were making these decisions and every night and I'm like, let me play devil's advocate. What if we moved to Camor and you commuted, you know, and I would just throw up these stupid wild ideas, which would not fly with my husband. And he would just let me talk them out. Right. Like, and kind of get all of that that I needed out before we made the decision, the final, our final, final decision. So we don't have any regret. Right. Like, I, I kind of, yeah, I do try to process before I make something because it just gets too hard. You get too attached and you start to make maybe not your best decision when you're, when you're emotional, right? Like emotions can lead you down roads, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or you, yeah. you get, I, you know, I, even, you know, buying a couple houses, like there's been some emotional movements from our other parties and I'm like 
okay, they're emotional. Like I even had to separate their emotion from my emotion, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not that I, I can't take that on. Like you are trying to manipulate X, Y, and Z in the house because you're emotionally attached to whatever part of this process you are. And that I can't take that on. There's just too much going on. Mm-hmm. Right. I can see a lot of that in hindsight. It was my mm-hmm. first sale of a house. Um, so, and I had not been through the traditional process beforehand with a realtor mm-hmm. or anything like that. Right. Like we bought our first house from a friend, which is a whole different process. Oh my but God. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you talk about seeing other people's emotions and having to very much put that which, you know, boundaries, right? You hire a professional for a reason, or hopefully you hire the person that helps you do the best job and the best transaction kind of thing. I love this idea that you're talking about of like just spitballing, like completely like random what ifs. Yeah, my husband hates it. Hates it and love. Like he's just like, you can hear him sink in for me to go insane for 10 minutes. It's really funny. <laughs> when you finally make your decision together, mm-hmm. does it feel like, like, would you classify it as the right decision or just the decision, the best decision? I know that sounds really weird. No, I know what you mean though. Like I know what you're getting at. And like, I, you know, what I find the hardest decisions is this or that decisions, mm-hmm. especially if they're equally good or equally bad. Do you know what I mean? Like the Costco line. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, (laughs) but I, and my husband's getting better at it. I am very much like, what's our criteria, you know, be it, let's say, let's say we're talking about houses, schooling price, you know, all that stuff. What's our criteria? What's our, we cannot budge on this, you know, and commutes and things like that. And then, you know, every house is never perfect. So I never really even, I used to play the, I will never live in a house with X, Y, Z. And then I end up living in these houses, you know? And I'm like, oh, that actually, that didn't like that something outweighed that. Right. So I feel like sometimes we make a decision and usually when final, final decision, put your offer in on your house, you're finally narrowed it down. And my husband and I would like lie in bed and be like, you know, it's scary. It's a lot of money. It's a big purchase but then at the same time we always look at each other and like we can sell the house if we hate it you know like you can sell the house you can fix it you can change it you can whatever but since we went through this big big process and we did all our pros and cons and all our you know yes no and whatnot we're probably pretty close to where we want to be you know without any big surprises and I also have um, a really great life and so I have to be confident in our decisions up to this point my husband and I've been together for a number of years we've had to make some very big choices and changes and decisions and we're good so we have a decent track record together so I have to lean into that I have to have confidence in us right like now if we were sitting in squalor and being like we hate our lives then I'm like, maybe we need to call someone in to help us with our decisions because we're not doing great. But for the most part, and I, and I also don't look back. Like, so your Costco analogy, my husband would be like watching the person who we were supposed to stand behind in the other line to see. I yeah. would never, I would never, <laughs> I would be like, stop it. Like, don't, 
don't put yourself through it. You, yeah. You've made the decision, right? Like commit and adapt. Like you yeah. gotta. <laughs> so for everyone listening, even if you're not moving anytime soon, take away this <laughs> grocery store line. Stop looking at the person you were supposed to sit behind. Stand oh, behind. We put an embargo on looking at um, realtor.ca yeah. for weeks after because I love real estate I just love looking at it. it's like a hobby like people jump on Instagram I jump on realtor.ca yeah. I just love it and so I was like we I, for a month which is a very long time for me I can't look at it because if something else came up you know better price better this yeah. better that then I I might try to break down our decision and that's not going to help anyone yeah and then the other thing we like to do I like to do, I force it on my husband is we make a list of the reasons why we chose the thing in that moment, because there's so many factors. And I feel like 10 years from now, we're not going to remember that I could barely lift my son, you know, and the reason why we picked this house, um, probably a little bit, not the price we really wanted, but we were like, we had to sacrifice this right now, this, this money for our health, our happiness. So we kind of write those things down. So like when we're like, ah, oh, what, you know, say we want to sell this house in 10 years and we're like, oh, we should have bought it for this or should have did it for that. We, we didn't have that, right? You know, we didn't have those, those thoughts. So we kind of write down why we chose things when we choose it. Um, so we remember. I think that's a great strategy. And I know a lot of people use it. My mom, when they had to sell my grandmother's house after she had passed mm-hmm. away, she had a it was a big decision for her not to buy my mom's place. It would have been a big investment, but like how often are they in Scotland, all this stuff. And so she wrote a letter to herself of like, this is the reason I'm making this decision. Cause she's like, I know I'm going to have a low moment and a glass of wine and come back to it and like, feel like I made the wrong decision. And that letter is her, like, it was the right decision at the time. Yeah. Yeah. With you sometimes, I mean, there's some things in our lives. I feel that like, when you step back into it, you can feel the emotion again. And there's some things that you forget how like incredibly, whatever you were in that moment, stressed, happy, like, you know, whatever. Sometimes your, I feel like your mind and body just kind of protects you. And it's like, you're not going to remember that. Like almost like your ex-boyfriend, you're like, Oh, he was really great. Mm -hmm. Was he? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's funny because like, it's, it's, not that long ago really that we moved here and I remember having a few very like sick to my stomach nights Mm -hmm. about the like what I thought at the time was the selling the house and I realized in hindsight it was just the idea of this huge change and it wasn't it wasn't just the house it was everything but I was focusing on this one transaction and putting all the emotion on that and I think that I mean if you guys ever have to move again hopefully not anytime soon dealing with that emotion with your house first like then like mm-hmm. then you're done with that then you can focus on big change while you're packing while you're you know like yeah because that it's it, and you're also taking on your kids big change too right so th- this moving with kids is an almost impossible <laughs> it's difficult I mean it is hard you especially as they get older and they start to have friends and they start to have real emotions and feelings too you're not just thinking about you you're you're managing and trying to model these kind of behaviors for them and it's 
it's tricky. Yeah, definitely. Well, that could be a whole other podcast, so I'm conscious of time. But I want to move into the final five that we ask all of our guests, but I just want to say a huge thank you for the conversation on moving because it is such a big we're all going to move or have major life shifts at some point. And I, mm. I like a lot of the strategies that you've said about deal with that first, you know, the making the list, the, the, whether the list for actually getting stuff done or the list of why you make the decision that you make. I think there's so much great mm-hmm. stuff in there that people will benefit from. And, and sorry. And sometimes the list isn't written for me. Yeah. It's in, it's in my head and that's enough to like get moving. Right. And yeah. And, and I do like your point of like, are you pushed or pulled into something? I mean, I was dragged down to Houston, absolutely dragged, but only, only, until, like I said, only until we made that decision to go. And then I was like, no, we're doing this right. Cockroaches and all let's roll. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I had ants in my kitchen yesterday. I was like, what is oh, this right. environment? But oh, I know. Humidity, like man, ne- it's hard, right? That never happened in Calgary. I'm like, I, get, I went out to Canadian Tire, bought all the Tupperware. I'm like, everything. Calgarians don't get it. They like got like it's just you're not used to it, right? No. Yeah, no. Okay. Anywho, sidetrack from my aunt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are some of the like the things or the projects that get you fired up in a good way? Oh, you know, I find I'm finding that question really hard. Or activity um, user. Yeah, like I'm a big movement person. I always have been. So like I I love a good uh, road cycle. I love mountain biking. I love skiing. I love all those things. But honestly, like what gets me fired up, like we talked about first off is I love to like organize and I love complicated problems. I love thinking those things out. And so that kind of gets me fired up. Like yeah. just you know, and I'm, I'm starting to help a couple people with a couple of their projects and they just feel overwhelmed by like whatever bite size problem is. And since I'm a stay at home now, I can, I have a couple hours here and there and like help, help people. That's not their strength. And I'm like, Ooh, here's a nice flow chart. It, that kind of like so nerdy. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Most inspiring book you've read in the past few years. You know what? I am embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by this question and my response. I was, before children, a huge book reader. I would have one on my nightstand, one in my bag, one in my desk. What, like my roommates used to make fun of me. Like I just, if there was a minute, I would read. And since kids, I think I've probably read three or four books. Audible. Audible is the only you know, thing I can do now. I need to get into it. I really do. Because I do love podcasts. So I feel like that's how I need to start burning through. But I will tell you, this is what's on my nightstand. So I'm not going to say like, these are the ones that have moved me, but I'm enjoying them. So if you look at my nightstand right now, it's a uh, whole brain child mm-hmm. and the illegal and which is like, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. And how the French raised their kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is hilarious. I found Yeah. like there's some nuggets in there, but funny. So those are the three that are on my list. I'm also reading one of my sons is a little bit of a slow talker. And so I've been kind of diving heavy into that kind of thing, taking my, my wee moments to kind of research that. Yeah. Oh, the parenting research that we do. It's <gasps> Oh my gosh. It's insane. Yep. Yep. I hear you. Um, so it sounds like movement is definitely a go-to mm-hmm. strategy for handling stress. Anything else on the top? Like if I can't have movement. I do this. 
So bigger stressors, when I'm trying to deal with a big stress, like a move, movement and connection. So getting my peeps, talking to my husband, making sure my, you know, and not all of them, but my three or four top connections are, are, are being leaned into. Um, and then for like the micro stresses, you know, like your kids are running around your kitchen and you're trying to get dinner on the table. Those are usually my, my friend has a really good saying. She's like, uh, check in with your triangle. And the triangle is the hunger, heat and sleep. You know, are you tired? Are you hungry? Or, or do you like, you know, are, are you hot? Like, which is, that gets me cranky so much. I'm just hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I lean in on those things. I'm also really trying my, one of my sons has my kind of quick to temper um, personality. And so I'm really trying to model when mommy has big feelings, what do, what do I do? And I say it, I'm having big feelings. I try to take a breath. I try to really model that because I can see him having the same reactions I did as a child. Yeah. I need to do more of that. It's on my, uh, I have a big feelings child and I'm a big feelings person. So. Right? <laughs> yeah, yep, pretty much. What's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? Hmm. That one again, I was, I, I, these questions are too like deep for me. Um, so, hmm. You know what? I would say, I wouldn't say this is my top, but this is one I kind of really value. Someone gave it to me probably about 20 years ago and they were saying, have, so have your connections. I'm very lucky that I've had friends in my life that I've had since I was two. Like, and I always, this is a problem with me moving. I am horrible at making friends, like awful. I cannot do it. I kind of make a friend in grade two and then keep them, <laughs> just drag them along with <laughs> me. Um, but this person also was like, okay, so have your group, right? Your people who just get you and then always make sure you have someone in your life. That's a generation older and a generation younger. And I have found such great knowledge and opportunity and like, just, just understanding about a whole bunch of different things. And I don't just have one and I'm not just like, okay, check Mark. I've got my one. You're my one. But when I look around my friend group, I really like the diversity that I'm building and that I'm. I'm keeping, you know, I let some go because they have to, or, you know, ebb and flow, but one above one below. And that really kind of really helps, especially when big topics come up, like black lives matter or, you know, Catholic churches or what, like, it just gives me so much more perspective than, than, you know, me staring at other people who look like me. I'm smiling because I remember exactly where we were when you told me that advice, but it was about mentorship. We oh, were like yeah, walking, yeah. walking to second cup or something oh, yeah. like that. I remember exactly where we were and you're like mentorship, like someone, yeah. I remember the yeah. moment. Like, yeah. and exactly. I used to do with work too. You're right. Like have someone who's like me, who gets it. And then, you know, someone kind of above and below it, it helps. It really helps. Yeah. Final question, Amy, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? Again, um, I really think this is me living my best life. This, and when I say that, it doesn't mean that everything's perfect and I'm not losing my mind and I don't have a lot of rants to go on about. Um, <laughs> but if I'm not living my best life every single day, then I'm doing something wrong. And and that doesn't mean like I need to divorce and change my, whatever, but I evaluate kind of, every day, like, 
this might not be my best season. I'm kind of coming out of like super young kids when you're exhausted and tired and you're like, my life will never be the same. Um, so, but like, you know, barring big season changes like deaths and kids, like young kids, I think this is it. So this means just taking care of myself, um, taking care of my family, having a great healthy relationship with my husband. We really work hard at that having great people around me. And then I think the most important part is having room to grow, learn, unlearn and continue on. And I think that to me is like, makes, makes me having my best life. It's just that there's, it's a process. And I don't feel like, you know, in five years, I'm going to be this, you know, like, it's like, okay, I want to change things and I have some goals, but I'm good right now. Like if I die tomorrow, I'm good. And that's so important. And I think so many people lack that. So I think there's a lot to be learned from this. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. (laughs) Okay, big thank you to Amy for joining us on the podcast. I don't know about you, but some of the wisdom that she dropped just, uh, it's a lot to process. And I'm suddenly starting to think of uh, how will I start to close the door on certain things going forward so that I can move on quicker? I think her perspective is is really valuable and something that I'm definitely going to be trying to implement a little bit more in the big changes and transitions in my life for sure. So big thank you to Amy. Final shout out, uh, like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you are interested in having uh, a stress management workshop or a burnout prevention workshop at your workplace, um, get in touch with Amy, amy at stresslessladies.com. We would love to come and chat with you. I speak virtually, uh, especially during COVID. So you can be anywhere in the world and I can speak at your organization. So don't hesitate to reach out to Amy. And then the last shout out for the Stressless September Bundle, I guess we'll we'll call it that. Uh, it's linked in the show notes today. But make sure you take advantage of that 55% savings before September 17th when uh, this bonus is going to expire. And then everything goes back to its regular pricing. I want you to have the tools to manage your stress and save money while you're at it. Because to me, that's just a win-win-win. So have a great week and I've got some some good stuff in store for you next week. Take good care, okay? Bye.